Hello, hello, listeners. We are so glad you're here for a couple of criminals. My name is Mariah. And my name is Anton. And we are your average couple reviewing your not-so-average crimes. Today's episode is number eight out of a 50-part series that will be based around a crime in each state in the United States of America in alphabetical order, which means today's case will be based on a crime in Delaware. Before we jump into the case, I had to mention that although Anton and I are huge lovers of all things NCIS and Great British Baking Show, the new show, The Night Agent on Netflix, had us hooked, and we binged it within two nights. Isn't that right, Anton? It is very correct, yes. It was a very well-put-together show. It had us on the edge of our seats the whole time. Yeah, if you haven't watched it yet, it is for sure a 10 out of 10 from us, even a 12 out of 10. It was incredible. The nice thing is, with the warmer weather, we really are spending less time on the couch and more time doing yard work or walking outside with our pups. This time of the year is my favorite. With mild to warm temperatures and beautiful sunny days, I hope you listeners are able to get outside today and enjoy the sun and maybe listen to a couple of criminals while you're on your your daily walk. Well, that is all I have for now, so let's get right into it. Anton is going to give us his weekly joke that I hope you all love as much as I do. Wink, wink. And then he will walk through today's case from Delaware. Take it away, Anton. All right, Mariah. Why don't seagulls fly over the bay? Why don't seagulls fly over the bay? I have no idea. Because then they'd be bagels. Oh, my <laughs> that's a funny joke oh man i love a good bagel with some strawberry cream cheese that sounds delicious Any bagel with cream cheese is delicious so good yeah all right mariah so we'll hop right in here and like you said we'll be looking at a case from delaware today the case i've chosen for us to go over is the one about tom capano who was a former politician and attorney within the state of delaware plus he was part of a family that was very wealthy and was in that was in the real estate business, as well as building contractors in the state of Delaware. Anne-Marie Fahey was a 17-year-old at the time when she first met Tom at the governor's office. It was said that she was charming and very attractive, and this is what led Tom to start an affair with her. But this affair, unfortunately, would cost Anne her life in the end. The affair was very narcissistic and controlling, and Tom wanted to control everything in Anne's life. Tom, of course, was just like any other rich admirer. When you think of a rich admirer, what do you think of, Mariah? A rich admirer? Yeah. I mean, I think of somebody who seems too good to be true, like an individual who, like, gives you everything you need, plus, like, like physical assets, like wealth, cars, trips, things like that. So pretty much like a sugar daddy. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sugar daddy. And that is pretty much exactly what Tom was for Anne. Tom would gift her... With clothes, shoes, electronics, cash, at the time offered to buy her a car. But she didn't and see also it, an apartment. But she didn't see it to be like too good to be true. No. I mean, to me, we get sugar daddy sliding into DMs yeah. all the time. Yeah. I mean, it's and a huge the, red flag. Oh, yes. And I was gonna say, I mean, not gonna lie, if I had a Richard Meyer, I'd want pretty much all those things too, right? <laughs> true. Yeah. And went as far as to keep a diary about Tom as well. Although he was married, it still didn't stop Anne from seeing him. He was married? He was married. Yes, they, had, they were having an affair. Was she married? No, she was 17 at the time when they first started seeing each other. Oh my goodness. Okay. An excerpt from her diary states, I allowed someone to take control of every decision in my life. A controlling, manipulative, insecure, jealous maniac. He would use just about everything he had to tell Anne what she had to wear, what she had to eat, 
as well as who she could even talk to. Oh, wow. That is a very toxic person. Yeah. Then, unhappy with how the relationship was going with Tom, Anne actually started having an affair. I guess more like cheating. It wasn't an affair because they weren't married. Yeah. Uh, with another guy named Michael. Of course, when Tom found out, he would have nothing to do with this. Although, Tom at the time, too, had very many different affairs going on as well. It wasn't just with her? It wasn't just with her. I didn't say any names or anything or how many it was. All it said was that he was having many different affairs going on at the same time. And he just couldn't tolerate that Anne was having an affair with another man. I guess was, or cheating on him with another man. Well, he doesn't want to get a dose of his own medicine. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. When Anne brought up the potential of breaking up with Tom, instead of dealing with the breakup with Anne because of the fear of rejection, as well as not wanting to relinquish his control over her, Tom ended up, instead of doing what most people would do, which to me is cry and maybe have a tub of ice cream, but instead, I am sure you can tell where I'm going with this, Mariah. Yeah, I mean, I know what podcast we have going, so... (laughs) Tom ended up shooting Anne and disposing of her body. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Now, you would think that Tom would be one of the first people to be suspected in this disappearance of Anne, but apparently Anne actually kept their relationship a secret from her family as well as Michael, the guy she was seeing. So no one knew that they were having this affair. All right, real quick, we'll go over the last time Anne was seen out in public. On June 27, 1996, Anne was spotted with Capano at a restaurant in Philadelphia called Ristorante Panorama. They had an email conversation before meeting at the restaurant, and apparently the email conversation had no unfriendliness within the emails. Okay, so it was pretty cordial. That's what it sounds like, yeah. These emails would be the utter downfall of figuring out that Tom was involved in the disappearance of Anne, though. Those, as well as the diary entries that were found by Anne's sister. By June 30th, Anne had not shown up to work or the dinner date that she had with the man that she loved, which I was assuming is Michael. That didn't specify who it was. Yeah, so you can just put two and two together. Yeah, you can. She, of course, wasn't answering her phone either, which was when her family ended up calling the police. A missing person report was filed, which makes sense as it was a few days after anyone had seen her, and then her apartment was searched. The scene there, according to the police, was just a bit messy and almost confusing. There was a dress lying out like it was about to be put on, and some groceries that were unpacked, but not all of them were unpacked. So was she seen at this dinner date with him? Yes, they were seen together. So you would have assumed that she would have worn that dress, or was she saving that dress for her lover? Could have been her lover. I'm not sure. I didn't specify. Okay. They could assume it was not a robbery as well, as nothing was out of place, and her purse and car were still at her apartment. Oh, that's suspicious. Yeah. So now we're going to dive a little bit into the investigation. Both Tom and Anne's credit cards were looked into by the FBI, which the FBI were now involved due to the fact that the case was in two states. Do you remember which states these are in, Mariah? Well, one is Delaware. Of course, Delaware. Is Connecticut the other no, one? No, the other one is Pennsylvania. Remember, this, oh, on they the were other in side. Philadelphia. Oh, okay, right. I knew I'd get you with that one, yes. <laughs> You're a mess. Police did uncover a strange charge on Tom's account for $308. Any ideas on what you think Tom bought? Well, probably something like a murder 101 kit to get away with it. I mean, where's her body at? That's the question, and that's probably where he got $308 so, for. Actually, you're pretty, you're pretty almost spot on. It, it was actually at a furniture warehouse, and he bought a rug, which police suspected that he used for foul play. 
Well, gum, you couldn't just put it in your living room? I mean, rugs are so nice. I know. So now after the disappearance of Anne, Tom also had his housekeeper take a week off, which when the housekeeper oh, even returned... even more suspicious. Yeah, I know, right? So when the housekeeper returned to work, she noticed a love seat and an old carpet missing from the home. Also, she said that Tom was asking questions about blood-removing products that he could buy at a local store. Police finally searched Tom's home, which seemed pretty clean, but they did find two dried blood splotches, which they ended up matching to Anne. Like her, matching to her blood matching type? Matching to her blood type, yes. Another clue came up from the site manager about how Tom wanted four dumpsters to be emptied, although they weren't full. Then police found a couch with blood stains on it in the dumpsters. Like, in each of the dumpsters? Like, he had, like, split the couches it up? It didn't say. It just said that they found a couch in the dumpsters. I'm assuming it was probably at the dump is where they went, because they, he dumped them Yeah, out. yeah. So, I'm not sure, but they found a couch Dismembered. with Dismembered. Yeah. <laughs> now enter Jerry Capano. This is Tom's brother who is involved in the cover-up or disappearance of Anne. Apparently, Jerry just sold his boat, but the boat did not have any anchors that came with it according to the person who bought it, which is weird, right? Yeah. Months went by, and no new leads were coming up for the police, so the police ended up keeping a close watch on Jerry, as he had multiple different illegal drugs as well as illegal weapons. When the FBI ended up raiding his home, he had a lot of firearms, as well as cocaine in his three-year-old son's closet. Oh my gosh. Yeah, for real, right? That's what I, that's literally my reaction when I read this. I was like, wow, that is insane. Yes, yeah. Jerry, at this time, was offered a plea deal, which he took, of course, instead of the child endangerment and drug possession charges that he would have gotten. What was the plea deal then? So, Jerry admitted that Tom sought him out in helping dispose of a body. Mm. Tom said that Anne was an extortionist. He didn't actually use Anne's, like, name when talking to Jerry. And that he needed $8,000 and a gun, which Jerry gave to Tom. Tom, Who just has $8,000 laying around? They're a very wealthy family. Oh, okay. Remember. Okay. Yeah. Which is weird why he would need $8,000. If, if he's had, wealthy. If he's wealthy. Right. And he works as an attorney. Well, but maybe he didn't want a money trail tied to himself. He could have been, yeah. And then Tom also needed the boat that Jerry sold on June 28th, 1996, in the morning. Tom ended up putting Anne's body in a cooler. The cooler would float on the top of the ocean water out in the sea. Then Tom took her body out of the cooler, and this is where the anchors came into play. Tom weighed her body down with the anchors. Oh my gosh, and then that's why they weren't on the boat when it got sold. Yeah. Okay. The case had to heavily rely on theory and not evidence, as there was no evidence really at all. No body was ever found, there was no murder weapon ever found, and there were no witnesses at all. Besides the brother who supposedly helped with it, right? Here's the thing. He never actually saw the body. He only saw the rug or whatever was wrapped in the cooler. He never saw the face or identified who the body was. So he just had the story about how he kind of helped his brother. It's all circumstantial. Yeah, it's all circumstantial. So the prosecution tried to piece together what might have happened that night of Anne's murder, which was that Tom brought Anne home after the restaurant where he had then let her wait on the love seat and then proceeded to shoot her. Then he contacted his brother Jerry to dispose of the body in the morning. All the prosecutors had was Jerry's story, but again, he never actually saw the corpse's face either. It's still so interesting to me that at her apartment, she had a dress laid out and half 
put away groceries. Like to me, that means to me, it almost seems like she was taken from her apartment, like mid doing something. But if she was on a date with him, why were the groceries half put away? I know. Not, no idea. Like that doesn't make, doesn't any, make any sense, sense. to me. Yeah, that's why it was kind of confusing. Because why would she go out to dinner knowing that she didn't put all of... My word, you wouldn't leave your dozen of eggs out. Those are like oh, liquid no. gold I'm... right now. Yeah, I know. So a crucial piece of evidence was found by a gentleman in New Jersey. In New Jersey? In New Jersey. So a whole nother state. Yeah, I'm not very geographically sound, no. but okay, new <laughs> state. This would, in fact, be the cooler that Tom tried to use to sink Anne's body in. And her body wasn't in it? Her body was not in it, no. It had bullet holes as well as blood stains all over it. Not only that, it matched the barcode on one of the receipts that, uh, from the store that Tom bought it months before the murder. Oh, I love those good old Home Depot and Lowe's receipts that yeah. always get brought in. And then as well as a little bit of red dress that was stuck in it as well. Red dress? Red dress, which was later found to be part of a dress missing from Anne's apartment. Well, I mean, this brings up more good evidence for... The only evidence. That's it? This is the only evidence they ever found. It was very clear that the prosecution had all the testimonies that they needed to take Tom to trial, which they did. It looks like it took about two and a half years to get to court. So it happened in 1996, and Tom ended up being found guilty of first-degree murder on January 17, 1997, by a vote of 11 to 1. Then he was sentenced to death on March 16th, 1999. Wow. So the death, death penalty, penalty was still around this time in okay. Delaware. Tom, so he was prosecuted in Delaware then? Yes, he was prosecuted in his home state of Delaware. Okay. Tom's lawyers actually appealed to the death sentence charge to be changed due to the fact that it was not a unanimous decision for the death sentence. Although the fact of premeditation and planning of this crime was enough to get charged for the death penalty, it also is very uncommon and untraditional that an execution of a murderer within a case that has no weapon, witness, or even the body being found was, you know, it's kind of crazy that that happens, right? You know, I kind of honestly agree. I don't know if the death penalty is warranted in this case because, yes, there might be, you know, strong enough evidence and theory that he did it. But like you said, there's absolutely no body. Like that means there's again, doubt. The only evidence there had was the cooler. Yeah, and I mean, yes, that's great evidence, and it lines with Jerry's story yeah. that he told, but still, you need a body, and I think a body solidifies a death sentence. A body or even the murder weapon. Yeah. And then in 2006, his sentence was changed from the death penalty to life in prison, and then just five years later, um, in 2011, Tom ended up dying due to cardiac arrest, so heart attack or whatever it was, it didn't specify exactly. And that is the case of Tom Capano and the disappearance of Anne Marie. So my question is, was Jerry ever charged with, like, never, assisting it, with the crime? It never said anything about it. I'm assuming that he was probably charged with some sort of crime in embedding, or I guess aiding this act. It's like aiding with a cover-up. Yeah. Um, I'm assuming it wasn't as probably as bad as what tom got of course but it probably was i would assume a few years in prison yeah so what he probably served like 10 to 11 years in prison since he died in 2011 yes so he was in prisons from 1999 to 2011 about 10 to 12 years now what a very sad case right yeah i just wonder how Anne's family must feel that her body still hasn't been found 
Well, and my question is, so oftentimes what will happen is if somebody gets, you know, life in prison, they'll be like, can you please give us like, because if she was anchored down, her body probably hasn't moved and it's probably eroded in the sea or been like taken by wildlife, but her remains would probably still be in the same vicinity. Well, it depends because if it's eroded and she's probably not worn down by the anchor anymore. Her, her remains could might be have anywhere. been anywhere in the bottom of the sea. And who knows how far, how deep it is. And fish might have even eaten some of it. Yeah. Who knows? That's why my next question was, is do you think her body will ever be found 27 years since her disappearance? Probably not. And the other thing that I probably think is, is anybody even looking anymore? I mean, your killer is dead. And so my thing is, is like, if he's dead, he's your closest shot to getting an approximate area or yeah, location. They don't know. I don't think they ever found the location. Of no, where and if it was he's at. a stubborn mule, he wouldn't say anything. And he probably took it to his deathbed, unfortunately. Yeah. And of course, like we were saying, like her body is probably now dispersed into many different parts of that ocean. Well, as, like, the natural elements take on it underwater, the body will not last. Yeah. I mean, you see decomposition at an escalated rate when it's in water. Mm. So, also, what do you think about how the jury gave out a guilty verdict to Tom without any evidence at all being found? Because most of the time, it would be hard to convict someone without these things. Well, my thing is, if they had receipts, they had the cooler, they had gunshots... I bet they were then able to match like the gunshot holes to the gun that Jerry loaned him. Like, I bet you anything, there was much more of a domino effect of circumstantial evidence. You know, the that other the other things that I'm now thinking of too is they had the diary. Oh yeah. As well as the email conversation that they had. And again, like it was stated before, it was two main things that really pointed into Tom's direction of why she went, like, of why she went to miss Well, and your figurative loaded gun, the motive, he had motive. Yeah, he she had. She was dumping him. Plenty of motive, so. Yeah, I, I, I think the prosecution did their job and they got the guilty verdict and he was probably a guilty man now, without the body. I'm sure that he was, I mean, it was very, it sounded like he was guilty, of course. And now I'm wondering if, you know, what if she wouldn't have kept a diary and maybe even if the emails were deleted, would he have ever been caught? Yeah, because they would have never been able to connect him to her. Yeah. I mean, the only thing that would have been connecting was the fact that they would have been seen at the restaurant. Dang, you want to know something? What did all of his lovers think? I know. And it never again, never specified how many different affairs he had going on well i mean i would be sad you know waking up eating some breakfast and then seeing your you know your dream boat on the tv kill, like convicted of murdering another woman that you never knew about like that's insane i can't even imagine and i think that's the thing is always in these cases there's never just one victim like you know these women probably never knew that he had so many other lovers and they're victims in this in their own way. So I, I just think, and then the poor family. I know. And then her boyfriend, he had no idea. So there's another victim in his own way. I know. So it's such a sad case. Yeah, it is really but sad. from what it sounds like is what they, they did get their guy. And although without the evidence, it was nice to see that the justice system pulled through here. Yeah, and I know these cases are really sad, but there is a part of me where 
I enjoy knowing that there is an ending, that somebody was convicted and it sounds like they yeah, did of it convict going, the right guy. Of it going cold. Yeah. And of course, if it ended up finding out that he wasn't the guy, like super sad as well. Like, yeah. They convicted someone who didn't do it, but. Yeah. But it sounds case, like they got him. It sounds like they got the right guy. Yeah. Well, thank you for listening to Couple of Criminals. We absolutely love doing this podcast and bringing you guys a new episode each week. Please download, like, share. Please share with your friends and family and subscribe. We will see you back here next week where I will be reviewing crimes from the very beautiful and oh-so-humid state of Florida. Until then, this is your Couple of Criminals. Signing off.